so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, Saul was sort of like, you know, you've seen the commercial, the Energizer Bunny. Saul was the Energizer Bunny of Christian persecutors. He kept going and going and going. Really, if it had been up to him, Saul would have spent his life pursuing Christians to the ends of the earth. So our passage for today is Acts 9, 3 through 9, and that goes, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly uh, a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there are three accounts of Saul's conversion in the book of Acts. We have it here in Acts 9. He recounts it in Acts 22 and then again in Acts 26. And this has gotten... People who like to say that Scripture is not consistent or is not accurate, this has got them because there are little differences in each one of these accounts. And to, so the first one here is by Luke as a historian recounting what he has been told. The other two accounts are Paul's first hand testimonies to other people about what happened. And all three have little differences in them. Even the ones that Paul gave. And there's reasons for that. In chapter 22, Paul had traveled to Jerusalem and had uh, come to the temple. Just the sight of him causes an uproar and the Jews in the temple had him arrested by a Roman cohort. And just before they took him away, now Paul, not Saul of Tarsus anymore, but now Paul asked to address these Jews uh, in the temple. And here's what he said, Acts 22, uh, 3 through 7. He says, and this is to the Jews, he says, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those who also were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. 
As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Then in chapter 26, Paul appeared before Agrippa. Now, Paul was there. He was being charged with crimes against Rome and basically appealed his sentence to Caesar. And the governor uh, that was in Caesarea was sorry because he didn't see that uh, Paul had done anything wrong to have to appear before Caesar for. But Paul had made the appeal and the Romans, sort of like the Germans, they're going to do what the law says to do. And they're taking, going to take Paul and send him to Caesar, even if they don't see a need for it. But before that, Agrippa, Agrippa and Bernice came to town, and Paul appeared before them. And he says, in this account to Agrippa of the Damascus Road incident, he said, In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you have seen, a witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering from you, from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in faith by me. And aside from the longer version where Jesus is giving him a commission and telling him what he's going to be doing, All of these look to be similar accounts. Uh, They all sound pretty much the same, but like I say, the people with an agenda who want to disprove the infallibility of Scripture would argue with us. In our passage for today, Acts 9, it says Saul fell to the ground. Not those with him, like he says in the last, uh, in the uh, Acts 26 passage. Now, He also never said that the ones with him did not fall to the ground uh, when Luke reported it or in the second passage. He doesn't say what happened to the others. A historian noting one detail to the exclusion of another is not a problem with scripture. It's not even a problem with the historian. It's just somebody speaking to another issue that they thought they were addressing. This first objection is really a non-issue. The second objection is much the same. 
in Acts 9, Saul heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Uh, The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Now, a question that I want you to hold in your head right here uh, as we look at the other verses is, did they hear a voice as the translation says? Okay? In Acts 22, it says, Paul heard the voice saying to the saying the same Saul, Saul, but his companions did not understand the voice speaking to him. And Acts 26 has Paul saying that he heard a voice saying in Hebrew, which is a new detail, but not contradictory to any other account, here he says nothing about what his companions heard. So, once again, are the scriptures wrong here? Before you ask, why didn't Saul's companions in Acts 22, understand the voice from heaven speaking in Hebrew, the, the, the reason I was having you hold in your head, as it's still there, if they heard a voice, is that, once again, our friend, the Greek language and translators have a problem because voice and sound is the same word in Greek exactly the same and would be used in the sentence exactly the same way. So, in Acts 9, Paul hears a voice and understands what it's saying. But the others may have only heard a sound because they didn't understand what it was saying. They did not know what the noise actually was. And I believe that noise is the same as sound or voice. So we have all of these different possibilities in this. For me, what I see here is three versions of the same story told from two different perspectives with absolutely no contradictions and just a little bit of a jumble of translation in there because we don't know exactly what the words were. So with that as background, let's take a look more closely at our passage for today. Verse 3a says, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. So he was getting close. He's not there. He's getting close to Damascus. Uh, Saul had left Jerusalem for Damascus, which was 135 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And I actually even looked this up to see. Last time I surmised that people travel about 20 miles a day on foot. Well, according to Bible encyclopedias and several other sources, the normal speed of travel on foot was limited by the walking speed of a loaded donkey. Because you weren't carrying your own loads, you were taking a donkey with you, you were walking, you weren't riding because that wears out your animal. So it's limited by the loaded walking speed of a donkey which (laughs) is three miles an hour, okay? And if you're on the road for eight hours of travel, that would be 24 miles. That's if you're on. And if you have a normal donkey. Okay, that that being said. So it was roughly a six-hour, six-day journey from Jerusalem to Damascus. Verse 3b says, And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. The word translated here as shone is actually flashed. 
which is used in the other counts in um, Acts 22 and Acts 26. He does say uh, the light flashed around him in that. Why our translators decided to use shown here, I have no idea and cannot answer to that. In the Acts 26 recital of this incident, Paul says it was brighter than the sun. So we, we have a bright light going on here. And, um, and the brightness caused Saul to fall to the ground. Uh, verse 4a says, In falling to the ground, he heard a voice. Now, there is a rabbinical term for hearing a voice from heaven because it was not unknown in the Jewish religion that you would hear a voice from heaven and don't ask me why but it's called it's known as the daughter of the voice of God why daughter and I tried to find this out I have no idea but in rabbinical in the Talmud and stuff it is referred to as the daughter of the voice of God so, so Saul hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, the double naming of a person. And we've seen this in other, in the Bible, else, other places. But it is a, um, a, a common in biblical times in a formal setting. You're just... To say Saul, Saul is to get his attention and make sure he knows that this is important and that he should pay attention. The form of Saul used in the Greek here is Saul, the Hebrew. It is not Saul, the Greek. Okay, that's how we know, other than Paul telling us that voice spoke in Hebrew, we know from the translation also that the form used was the Hebrew um, Hebrew form. And the voice asks, why are you persecuting me? Now, Saul was persecuting so many people that uh, it could have been almost anyone asking him this question. After all, there was a bright light and a voice comes to him. Why are you persecuting me? And so Saul says, who are you, Lord? Now, Calling the voice that he hears Lord does not mean that Saul was addressing the voice as God. Calling someone Lord was a convention of the time which, like saying, um, who are you, sir? But a little bit more deferential. It doesn't mean, the Lord here does not mean God. It's closer to sir, but a, a deeper meaning than sir. So, So Paul says, who are you, Lord? And in verse 5b, and he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, this is a poor turn of events for for Saul, okay? He was, after all, um, carrying letters from the high priests of Jerusalem, authorizing him to arrest and deport any Christians he finds in Damascus. And now this voice from heaven, the voice as it were, the voice of God, identifies himself as Jesus. And not only that, but Saul had not, as far as we know, 
ever uh, persecuted Jesus personally while Jesus was alive. We don't even know, even though they were in the same city together, Jesus and, uh, and Paul or Saul. We do not know that they ever met. So, Jesus asks him, why are you persecuting me? Which means that Christ so closely identifies himself with his church that to act against his church is to act against Jesus. And I think that that is something that, well, that people who attack the church should remember, except they don't care anyway. So what can I say? Any persecution of the church was persecution of Jesus as well. So this this was something of an uh-oh moment uh, for Saul. As I said before, the voice of God speaking from heaven was seen by rabbis as a, as a rebuke, almost always a rebuke or an instruction. And in this case, Paul's going to get both. Uh, Jesus accusing Saul of persecuting him was the rebuke. And next came the instruction, because he says, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The instruction from Jesus results in further instructions down the line. Verse 7 says, The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. It does not say here, as in the story's repetition in Acts 22 and 26, that his traveling companions saw the light flashing around him and heard either the voice or the sound that was speaking to Saul. But I don't know what I just confused myself here. But they saw no one, nor did they understand any of what was happening. So, Saul of Tarsus is traveling with people, going with him to arrest to arrest Christians in Damascus. But when all this happens with the lights, with the noise that they heard, understanding nothing, they don't know what has happened just now. And they continue on with Paul. Verse 8a, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. I'd say that's sort of like our world today. (laughs) The world may have their eyes open, but they're really not seeing anything. Was Saul blinded by the light from heaven, or did God blind Saul for his own purposes? I suppose this is actually a pointless question. It doesn't matter if the light blinded him or if God blinded him. God's purpose was to have Saul sightless, to be led by his hand until he was led to the truth. Uh, Because for his entire life, although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. Though he thought he was serving God, he was in fact rejecting God. Though he thought he was serving God, he was persecuting God. You know, I, I, I wonder, and I pose this at the time, that when the apostles were before the Sanhedrin and the Jewish leaders, it's very possible that Saul of Tarsus was in that room when Gamaliel warned 
you think you're uh, punishing you think you're on the side of God, but you may find that you're on the side opposing God. And this is where Saul finds himself on this day. He has thought he was on the side of God all along, and he has just found out that he is on the side that is opposing God. 8b says, So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And the image here is no less than a lost child being found by rescuers and being led by the hand back to his father, back to his father's house, which is exactly what is happening to Saul. He is blind. His world has been pulled out from under him. He is lost. And now he is being led by the hand to those who bring him back to his father's house. And verse 9 says, And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Of course, the first thing that uh, came to my mind was uh, something that ruined Saul's appetite, but I, I don't really think that was it. But no... He fasted for three days, and um, there are a number of reasons, I found at least ten, of reasons why people fasted in biblical times, and actually why they still do today. One is to uh, strengthen prayer. People fast so that their prayers, are, their prayer life is strengthened. A second one would be to seek God's guidance. People fast so that they might more accurately see God's will. Another one is to express grief. People fast to seek deliverance. They fast to express repentance and a return to God. They, they fast to humble themselves before God. And just another, to, they fast to overcome temptation and dedicate themselves to God. And I think it would be safe to say that Saul of Tarsus fasted for three days for all of these reasons. I don't think he had one. I think he was a very confused man and he was fasting for all of the traditional reasons that people fast for. God had finally shown Saul the errors of his way and uh, once God got his attention... The world would never be the same again. The world was going to change in a tremendous way. And, but as we uh, conclude this section of Scripture, I would have you notice one more thing. Saul had absolutely nothing to do with his coming conversion. Okay? Uh, he didn't answer an altar call. God, uh, God did not give him a choice. Okay, he didn't raise it. Billy Graham wasn't there calling him to the front of the church. God got a hold of Saul of Tarsus, and so we've got a couple of our points of tulip going on right here, because God was the sole actor in a conversion, and Saul had no choice. From before the 
foundations of the earth, God had intended Saul to be his instrument. And nothing was going to get in the way. And nothing Saul could do was going to stop that from happening because he had already tried everything he knew to keep these things from happening. I think it's safe to say that becoming a Christian was the farthest thing from his mind. He was really satisfied being a Jew. He wasn't just satisfied, he was self-satisfied. Persecuting Christians, it would seem, was his life's calling. Uh, He enjoyed it. He was good at it. Okay? It made him feel that he was serving God in a meaningful way. And yet God didn't see it the same way. And it's really not important how we see what we're doing. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter if, if I think being up here preaching is a really good thing for me it's ultimately what God thinks what you should be doing that's the important thing God in his graciousness had chosen this man Saul from before the foundations of the earth to serve him as a Christian to spread his church to the entire known world to all the Gentile nations nothing could be clearer from this passage that we have studied today that God chose Saul. Saul did not choose God. He will choose God after God has chosen him. We've just left Saul blind, being led like a child after God struck him down in a flash of light. Saul did not choose God. God chose Saul, and he chose you and me and all who are part of his family. It has been decided. He calls. We are to then call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord, as we're going to see, the Christians that had feared being persecuted by Saul, did not agree with your choice of him. They feared him. They thought if he showed up in town, their lives were over. And yet you had a plan bigger and stronger and more encompassing than anybody knew at the time, including the apostles, that you were going to have your disciples from every nation on earth. That all of those who you called of whatever tribe, of whatever nation, would come to you and you were going to accomplish it, even with the most unlikely of emissaries. Lord, as we go through our lives, let us take courage knowing the one who has called us to the work we are to do and that no hardship no threat or no harm will come to us that is outside of your plan we just ask ask these things in Jesus name Amen